The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Good Morning New York. It is Tuesday, December 15th, and I'm your host, Vince Rocco. We are live today with the full panel, almost a full panel, uh, four of us here in Times Square. It's summertime in December. It is. Yes, it it's is. like 65 right now. Oh, I love it. I, <laughs> I love it. I mean, you know, I don't want to rant about the weather because everybody thinks that I'm crazy, but I got to tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's December 15th, and I'm, I'm wearing a sweater. This is how I walked out of the house. And you're today. probably sweating. I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm sweating. And I mean, you know, there's no moving air. My office is stuffy and hot. My apartment is like cuckoo crazy. Yeah. Cuckoo crazy. It's like, like cuckoo and for And I will cuckoo not pups. put the air conditioning on because I just won't put the air conditioning on in <laughs> yeah. December. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just what? against all moral, you know. <laughs> And last night I was talking to a friend in L.A. and it was 46 degrees last night. Uh-huh, it was Angeles. colder there than it was here. My, I was talking to my sister, yes. And I cannot believe, I mean, and the, oh, the fireplace is on and I'm freezing. The fireplace is on? Really? <laughs> At 46 degrees? Yeah. I, guess I wore a mini skirt on Saturday with boots. Mm, yes. you can I had that. so much fun. I ran around the city teaching in a little, you know, one of those little scooter skirts, the sports skirts with well, the shorts. You know, though, it's everywhere. I had okay. so much fun. Yeah. My awesome. legs were out, and it was. I love it. I, think, I know. And, and going back to real estate, oh, I did it again. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> Die hard. I think that the properties that have been stale, that you were like, well, we're just going to have to take it off the market and put it on in January. I think the weather is now like spurring activity for all these properties that could been, sell. The market's been oh, nuts. Yeah. yeah, the market well, is up and moving. I wanted sure. to ask yeah. about that a little later, but before we get to the news, I'll ask it since you brought it up. But do you think that the weather this past weekend? Was good for open yep. house? Or Absolutely. Was it not? I was it in was. Long Island City Busy. in the Upper East Side. The and feedback we in had general. great, great activity for really? mid December. Yeah. All right. I've been off on a couple of Sundays in a row because all of our exclusives have been sold, thank God. But uh, I heard kind of mixed. Yeah, yeah. But I've heard kind of mixed. You know, it, it, some people said it was uh, a good weekend mm-hmm. because the weather was great. And then some people said, I think everybody was out Christmas shopping because no one came the to the house. The brokers that said that are overpriced. I. <laughs> oh no! I said it. In one mm. case, I I would say you're right. Yeah. The other, I have, to, I have yeah. to actually look at that. That's yeah. a very good point. Yep. yep. All right, let's segue to the news. Let's get to some items, and then we'll get back to hot topics. So Manhattan-based Zeckendorf Development set the scene for sky-high apartment prices in 2007 with 15 Central Park West, the Robert A.M. Stern Design Condominium, where uh, they sold, at that time, a $42.4 million penthouse, which was a lot of money at the time. At the firm's latest offering, though, 50 United Nations Plaza, only 40 of the 87 available units have closed since sales began two years ago. Nearly two-thirds of the apartments that 
that sold were closed at discounts that averaged nearly 9% and topped out at 16%. By traditional measures then, uh, 50 United Nations Plaza would be considered a dud. But the Zeckendorfs do have another uh, winner on the market currently at 520 uh, Park Avenue, priced extremely high. But sales there are breaking records. So bottom line is if development were easy, we would all be doing it. Mm. Rents in Manhattan may finally be easing. The apartment vacancy rate in November rose to its highest level since 2009, indicating that renters are choosing not to pay high rents. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal. Instead, uh, while fall tends to be a slower time of the year for the rental market, brokers say there has been an unusual increase in apartments for rent as some individuals decided to move to Brooklyn where rents are lower. Hmm, I'm not quite sure about that statistic. Uh, who said that? Yeah, uh, A couple, actually, but we'll talk about that in a minute. The vacancy rate was 2.02%. In Manhattan, the highest since April of 2009, according to a report by brokerage firm City Habitats, which expects landlords to adjust rents lower. I'd like to see that one. Or at least keep it stable. Or at least keep it stable. It doesn't go up, up, up. Correct. Lowering it is a beautiful thing. Well, if that happens. Of the many things that make New York renters miserable, hunting for an apartment ranks pretty high. Getting out of a lease early (sighs) is up there, too. Too bad our Phil isn't here today. Yeah. (laughs) Love. Love. Pure. All day long. Lots. All day long, yeah. In the past year, a handful of startups have emerged that promised to make the task to get or unload a rental a little less grueling. These companies offer services meant to trump Craigslist and StreetEasy, the titans of the rental apartment listings. Uh, These startups, however, help renters find homes, break leases, sublet uh, apartments, uh, schedule viewings, find roommates, and avoid broker fees. Avoid broker fees. Depending on the outfit, either the leaseholder or the prospective tenant may have to pay a fee, but in some cases, renters can profit from the experience. Two-thirds of New Yorkers rent here, and yet the city has no central listing system. Apartment seekers must call information from various websites, sorting viable listings from bogus ones. Unlike buyers who partner with a real estate broker dedicated to their search, renters tend to juggle multiple brokers, frequently meeting them to get access to an apartment uh, they have found on their own. Uh, we're going to hold off uh, commenting on this one until Phil is back with us because this I you know, knew. screams leasebreak.com yeah. a lot uh, in some cases. But anyway, there is a big difference between renters and buyers and brokers and um, did my, you say we were going to hold out on that one? You're in, such in, a tease. We're all like foaming well, at the mouth there. But I think that a broker is needed for both renters. <laughs> and buyers. I got so much to it say about that. It is Phil's territory for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll get to it in a minute. And <laughs> the, the skinny strip of the Upper East Side that runs between Central Park and Park Avenue has long mm-hmm. been dominated by co-ops and is arguably one of the most staid parts of the city. Now, in a burst of activity not seen since the 1980s, condominiums are shouldering their way into the upscale district, which runs from about East 59th Street to East 96th Street. More than half a dozen projects ranging from newly built apartment houses to makeovers of pre-war properties have opened there in the last few years or are currently underway. In an area blanketed by historic districts, several of the latest projects involve conversions of existing structures, even if not much is being preserved except the facades. These conversions include... One in particular, 12 East 88th Street, a red brick 13-story building near Fifth Avenue designed by Rosario Candela, the architect, the famous architect responsible for much of the Upper East Side's elegant look. A spacious duplex apartment at the High Line hugging HL23 condominium perched directly above the elevated park and with a wraparound terrace is offering far-reaching vistas that include the Hudson River, the Empire State Building, and the World Trade Center. And that is 
about to enter the market at $22.95 million. Unbelievable. This three-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath apartment on top floors of 515 West 23rd Street between 10th Avenue and 11th Avenue in the heart of Chelsea Art District is one of 11 units in the 14-story glass and steel tower designed by Neil Denari and developed by Alf Neyman development. The building was completed in 2011. I don't know why I get so, you know, maybe exasperated when I read these prices of $22.95 million. Do you know the square footage on that unit? I don't. But I mean, Have you I'm, seen that building? I have seen the yeah. building. I have. I mean, it's, it's amazing, but I just can't, I mean, trophy. wrap my arm around Can you imagine prices. how people feel when they're not in the business? My God. Yes. And that's it's, my point because right. I am in the business and right. I look at these numbers and I think, what uh, the, how much more right. can you go? Seven million dollars right. a yeah. bedroom. A friend of mine was a surgeon. Yeah, a friend of mine was a surgeon. Way to break it down. I never felt poor in my life other than when I moved to New York City because, I mean, anywhere else in the country being a surgeon, he's living a a great life. In New York City, he's like, what can my $4 million buy me? That's a a sad state of affairs. It's not reality. It is so crazy. It's crazy, but you know what? As brokers, and we all have gone through this, we want everything we see. We go into all these wonderful apartments, Mm -hmm. and I say, I want that one, I want that one, I want that one. Now it's to the point where, well, I can say I want all I want, yeah. but $22 million, yeah. maybe two lifetimes from now. I'll Wait, get Vince, to that are point. you trying to tell me that my rounded, arched windows, outdoor space, and 15-foot ceiling for a three-bedroom is out of the question for me? Totally. Maybe not for you. Yeah, right? For me, it is. No, I, I know, feels. right? I mean, it is nuts, right? It's crazy. Like those laws you know we used to see in the 90s movies are not available to us anymore. You know, it's really, <laughs> last night, uh, two nights ago, I slept over at my friend's house in Greenwich on the water. And she's like, oh, you know, I bought this house for three and a half million. They had just closed. And I was like, that's it? <laughs> like, I literally was like, that is so cheap. On the water. It was stunningly beautiful. <laughs> well, we have a skewed like, sense like, of whatever. Yeah. yeah, I know. I, I was looking at the luxury listings magazine yesterday in my office, and I saw a house for... Four nine nine five, and I thought, that's it, yeah. and it was like twelve thousand square feet. Oh my god! And like seventy acres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. amazing. And I yeah. said, this is how crazy we are. So whatever. A penthouse on the here's a sad story. A penthouse on the 18th and 19th floors of 15 Central Park West, the exclusive t- uh, twin tower limestone condominium by the Zeckendorfs, where another apartment held a record until recently for the city's most expensive single-family residence, sold at a $3 million loss. Oh, what a shame. At $45 million, according <laughs> to city records. $45 million, $3 million loss. How is that possible? But better news, on the eighth floor in that building, and a unit just closed for $35 million, asking price Two days on the market and yielded a hefty profit. Whoa. The two transactions were the priciest of the week, and that's about 4,500 square feet because I know Ivy's going to ask me that question. That closed at ask, you said? <laughs> it closed at asking price. I know the, in the situation. Days, in two days, they got an accepted on offer. With it, you know, they that building for yeah, me was say, yeah. is one of the sweetest buildings. I love, I do love, too, love, but love sometimes those units don't sell so fast. I know. It's very true. This one... I'm not going to get into That's the details crazy. on this one because it's it's a sensitive one. But anyway, it, in two days. Wow. Two days. Anyway, Brooklyn has a new wow. Gold Coast for luxury real estate. Forget the slender brownstones of Brooklyn Heights' Willow Street and Pierpont Street. Quirky industrial-style homes now on Pacific Street between 4th Avenue and Henry Street are the new cash cows for investors in the city's coolest borough. Quietly, Pacific Street has emerged as the most exciting strip of real estate in Brooklyn, which recently saw a $15.5 million mansion on that street sold. A string of residential mega deals 
has put the spotlight on a street like Pacific Street that runs from uh, through Cobble Hill and Borm Hill uh, from the Barclay Center and surrounding mega project to the former Long Island City Hospital, uh, where that is now being converted to apartments. I yeah. mean, the development it just there stop. on that street you were just saying. I won't say the address because I don't. I don't represent the sponsor, but um, they were on the market for like two, three months, and mm-hmm. they have four left. Mm. Really? Yeah, it's wow. insane. Larger units too. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, Brooklyn is hot, but yeah. you know when you when you hear some of these things like a house, you know, on one of these beautiful blocks out there for fifteen and a half million dollars. I mean, we're talking, you know, Manhattan prices it's now. Yeah. That's I love it out incre- there. It's, yeah. it's stunning. It's absolutely. I worked. I had the the privilege of working out there on a new development, Twenty Henry Street, for mm. uh, when oh, I was love working Brooklyn back. Heights. Love it. In Halstead days, and you know, Brooklyn Heights. I used to just love mm-hmm. getting there every morning. It was just like a breath of fresh air. I love air. coming Perfect. out of the subway yes. in Brooklyn Heights because the second you are even at the bottom of the stairs, you just see full sky and sunlight. It's Amazing. Mm-hmm. It's something you just don't get in Manhattan. So, And I didn't feel the hustle and the bustle because, you know, of course, I like the West Village Quiet. and I carry on about that all the time. But mm-hmm. even though it looks a lot like the West Village and feels like it, you don't have that cuckoo hustle and bustle and people stepping over you and whatever, trying to get to and from. <laughs> stepping mm-hmm. over you. It was just a wonderful experience. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, you know, who knows? But anyway, I am joined today by Perul Brombat from Compass, Rachel Altschuler from Douglas Elliman. Ivy Ray from Blue Realty Group and Niall Lundgren from Compass. Our two other favorites are not here today. We are going to go to break, and when we come back, we'll get our hot topics going, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. I worked out yesterday. My arms are killing me. Anyway, we're back. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they, oh, my chest is killing me. Anyway, um, so welcome, everybody. I wanted to get started with something that, of course, is a hot button for me. Um, but anyway, a young couple finally realized their dream of moving to New York and finally settling down. But after a while searching for apartments to either buy or rent, they realized they didn't want to take the plunge without first knowing the city or its neighborhoods better. So what did they decide to do? They decided to Airbnb for a year. 
and oh, live in gosh. all the neighborhoods for short periods of time. Huh. So I have to tell you, when I first read this story, I was quite amused, and yeah. then I was a little, little annoyed, and I thought, well, who wants to disrupt their their lifestyle? You know, so often, like every couple of months, I think they said they were going to move to a different neighborhood, a different style building, um, you know, whatever. It's just interesting. To feel out the neighborhoods, and then decide a year from now. I mean, any comments on that? I mean, I think it's brilliant. I think it is, too. I have yeah. a friend. Oh, my God, it's yeah, brilliant. I have a friend. It's actually, if you think about it from, you know, wanting to get into real estate in Manhattan perspective, I have a friend who got, was literally getting into real estate, and her strategy was to literally to learn the neighborhood. She's from, you know, the South, has no idea about any of the streets in Manhattan, was literally to just Airbnb in different neighborhoods. And then all of a sudden, she has, like, an, a unique perspective mm-hmm. and understanding within six months, and then she found a place where she oh, wanted sorry. to live, you know, full time. Avoided where, all those fees exactly. too. Wow. Here's the thing. I don't know about the rest of you, wow. but for me, when I first moved to the city, so I've lived in my apartment for almost 10 years, but before that, for a year and a half, I ended up, so my first three months I sublet it from a friend because I didn't know what I was going to be doing here. And then once that sublet was over, another friend's like, well, I'm going to London for a while. Why don't you just take over my apartment for a little while until I get back? Mm-hmm. I got subsidized for another four months. So my first year and a half, I think I moved about five apartments anyway. Well, you did and, the same thing. Yeah, and inadvertently, right? Like it just sort mm-hmm. of worked out that way. So prior to Airbnb and, because it didn't really exist then. Right, and it didn't exist then. But the thing is, is I feel feel like a lot of young people when they first move to city to the city they move a lot their first two to three years anyway I think these guys sort of narrowed the time and did it deliberately and I think that's really smart yeah, yeah so do I I actually thought when I first read it because I have such issues with Airbnb as it affects our business overall yeah. but then I thought and I agree with uh, Niall and with um, uh, Ivy actually with Ivy. all of you I know <laughs> <laughs> with all of you but I, I think it's brilliant I think it was a brilliant move because as you just said, Parul, you know, yeah. people move around. Yeah. I moved around, you know, seven or eight times in seven years before I decided, okay, this is where I'm going to plant and this is right. where I want to be and this is what I like and blah, blah. And I've been there 12 years. So maybe yeah. that's the answer. And maybe Airbnb is helping people do that, you know. And, you know, I want to say one thing. I think one of the keys to happiness, mm-hmm. if, if I could use the term, or to joy a great life in New York City is being where you fit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And people that aren't from the city, it's a it's a monster of a city, as we all know. But every single neighborhood is so different. It's mm-hmm. shocking. Yeah. That's true. And so finding where you fit, where the restaurants are, where you, where the peeps that are – in your age group or your style or your business, you know, it's it's like we have 25 cities. I, as much as city. I agree with you, I, I, I do agree with you guys, yeah. but I have to look at it from the other side of, you know, of the owner's side, the landlord's mm-hmm. side, and also like the other renters out there who are paying all those fees and are going through the the hoops and the, you know, the interviews and everything to get these apartments. So I think that outside New York City, I'm all for it, but in this city, it's just not... It's not fair to everybody else, but I get it. And it is a genius thing, and I, I think it's great, but I just – I always look at the other side, you know? You know, this goes back to, you know, when we first start working with buyers and, and you know, we get them, yeah. whether they're first-time buyers or whatever, and they're, well, you know, I want to look on the Upper East Side. I want to look downtown. I also want to check out Chelsea because I hear blah, blah. And we look – we kind of go back to the office and think, okay, so – yeah. 
three or four different neighborhoods. Where the hell do these people really want to live? Yeah. What is the criteria? Where are they going to feel comfortable? On and on and on and on. So I think, you know, aside from all of these Airbnbs and whatever, part of our job when we get a new uh, customer, a new buyer, is to help educate them. You want to hear the most interesting thing, though? Where we think they're going to want to go. And have them talk to the locals. That's the best way. Go get brunch. Go have dinner. Go Mm -hmm. do the commute from Mm -hmm. your office to, yeah. I send them to different neighborhoods, to different restaurants, especially at Mm -hmm. night. I tell them to go at 8 a.m. in the morning. You know, so or I do it. I give them the Mm -hmm. tour. But I personally, when I get that, when I meet with people and they're like, well, we'd love to live downtown. We've heard great things. We really are interested in Upper East for the, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. You know what though? I have to say this though. I'm like, what a bummer. But guys, guys, wait, wait. I have to say this. I think the city is changing. I feel that five to seven years ago in this business, when somebody said to me, I'm willing to look at Brooklyn and Upper East Side, I looked at them like they were out of their minds. I don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And here's the difference. For instance, I'm about to bring on an apartment that's at 404 Park Avenue South. So that's 28th Street and Park Avenue. Mm-hmm. You know where the comps are for this specific building and apartment? Nice plug, by the way. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to happen in January. But um, but uh, in, uh, it, it's Slightly. either Chelsea or West Village. That's right. Or, or like some of the Soho Arts buildings, mm-hmm. believe it or not, yeah. even though they're co-ops. So the, the direct comps for this are not in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. They're not even in Gramercy Park. There's like one or two buildings that really sort of fit the same mold, but not really a lot. And I bet you that anybody who looks at this apartment is also going to be looking at those. So I agree there's with a you, 100%. lot of yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a big change in the market in terms of how, where people are willing to live um, and what defines where they're going to live. I'm actually working with a buyer who's looking for a one bedroom under 1.5, and he it wants either Brooklyn. He's open to two bedrooms as well. He wants Brooklyn (laughs) or Upper East Side. Yeah. Or Upper East Side. Now, yeah. that sounds at first glance like the craziest thing in the world. That's the lowest price per square foot but compared it, to downtown right. and midtown. Yeah. That's yeah. number one, yeah. right? Number two, he's an artist and he wants to be near the museums or he wants to be in the Brooklyn vibe. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I so actually there's said, some really very, interesting very things going I on. I said what I said, quite honestly, to mm-hmm. all of my peers here and the mm-hmm. listening audience. I said what I said as a roll of my eyes about what my life was going to be like as a broker. <laughs> I was just selfishly commenting on, oh my God, they want 11 neighborhood choices mm-hmm. here. Yeah, oh think, my I God, guess you- what I've got coming. I don't question where anybody wants to live. And I mm-hmm. think True. that they should really get educated. I was just personally kind of cracking a joke. Like, I love it when they say we want Chelsea or we want Wall Street. Well, I think that's that, my job is it so makes easy. It I think easier, that's more yeah. of a fundamental I was just shift. Being funny. More of a fundamental yeah. shift with a, with a lack of inventory. So mm-hmm. it's not, if it was the Upper East Side totally. and you had a total, like mm. a complete set of inventory, that's a different mm. story. Yep. So when there's a lack of inventory, mm-hmm. the invent, the type of inventory, whether it's a co op be, be mm-hmm. below 1.5 or whatever, becomes what you're looking for. Totally. And neighborhood is like right. the irrelevant factor. But it's also about that want. driven by inventory. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. also yeah. about Agreed. want and need. And we've talked about this yeah. before. And so Absolutely. I have a, a recently I have a, a, a couple wanting, you know, everything, the sun, moon and the stars for under 8,000. Well, what do you really need? So I, I got down to high ceilings, lots of closet space and amenities. Okay. There we go. Now yeah, I know what you need. So now yeah. I can say, all right, well, you can do this, 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 and you can narrow down the neighborhood. So it's important to have that conversation instead of somebody going, well, I spoke to my friends and they thought that Queens was really hot. Yeah. Well, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. You know? <laughs> have you walked around Queens? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what neighborhood? Have you ridden the seven? Yeah, yeah. It stops on yeah, weekends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, let's move on to that. <laughs> 
Apartments come mainly in two forms in New York City, our wonderful town, co-ops and condos. In a co-op, you are buying shares in a corporation that will give you a proprietary lease in the building. When you buy a condo, you own the unit outright. It's real property. In both cases, though, buyers will be asked to submit financial information, including net worth, liquid assets, annual income, and bank statements. Co-ops will require more a more rigorous scrutiny, uh, often requiring <clears throat> reams of personal as well as financial information. Reams. These boards are going to undress you, and you will have to really reveal yourself. Let's explain to the listening audience around the world, as we always talk about, mm-hmm. why co-ops in particular are going to undress you financially and <laughs> Likes that. Niall, talk about undressing. (laughs) I wish for you, baby. Because it's a a term, though, that really is is very well suited to this because they really are going to want to know everything there is about you. Yep. So, I mean, and some people will say, you know what? No, no, I'm not doing this and I'm not going for that. Oh, they do get So, so upset. They get upset. I mean, condo is a little easier, but there's still scrutiny. And a lot of people, it's mostly, from a personal perspective, it's not really that that difficult. But it's mostly from a financial perspective. And when we say undress you, they want to know every little piece of your financial business. And they want you to tap dance. And they want you to do, yeah, well. Tap dance. (laughs) That's true, Rachel. What is this about? I I wish Deborah was here because, you know, this is generally going to be her forte. Mm. But when when Vince says undress you, I generally say it's a financial colonoscopy. Literally, they Mm. get up in there. Mm. And they're looking at I'll everything. Be using that line. <laughs> As I'm drinking it's, it's my water. <laughs> okay. They, they're literally Did looking you at everything. And if, you, and if you're looking to buy in a co op, you got to understand that everyone, there's high owner occupancy rates in co ops. So everyone generally who lives there, there's not many, I mean, not everyone, but generally there's a lack of subletting in, in co ops. Some have tighter policies, some have more loosey goose policies. But when you have a high owner occupancy, everyone wants to, to know, especially on the board, you know, what your financial wherewithal is to make sure that all of their investments are protected as well. So what Vince said about you know owning in a co-op is you you're, you're not necessarily owning the uh, you know the the kitchen or the 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 bricks or whatever. You're owning uh, proprietary stock and lease, which represents oh, yeah. that. So um, it, it's a little bit different than buying in a condo, which you're actually owning the real property. And then you know in those situations you have. Uh, you know, a less owner occupancy rate where more people are buying it as investments um, and they're not necessarily as invested. So when you look at the co-ops, you're, you're in a situation where every, you're, you got to disclose literally everything. And a lot of, it's not just that, you know, co-ops across the board are a certain way. Some co-ops can be more strict. I've done co-op deals actually that have been less, you know, invasive than, than condos. So you can't just place it on all of the co-ops. Um, but when you do have those, those really invasive, uh, uh, co-ops, literally, you got to be prepared to provide everything. And you also have to be very wary. And I mentioned this on a, on a previous show, not just all of your financials, but you have to be wary of what's online about you, mm-hmm. what blogs you're writing, mm-hmm. what you tweet, because that also is now becoming more and more into yes. scrutiny. Um, and they want to know, because they, they are owners who live on that floor, and they want to know who are you, what's your lifestyle, what, what are you going to be adding or detracting from this building? And if we don't like it, then you're not going to get in here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad and you brought that up. what's lurking in your past. Mm. True. So, you know, we really have to give a heads up to our buyers that it's about more so with co-ops, yes, than condos. And I think the easiest shoe in, if you have someone who's potentially problematic, it's really great to get them with a new development. Because they're just selling those units, man. So if people have tricky stuff, but the one thing I say to everybody is you have to be, you have to be willing to, at very minimum, be transparent with me about your life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm working with like groovy folks, and I kind of do. <laughs> well, that's ex- but that's exactly what they're. And I'm like, at. you know, you got to let me know if you've been caught table dancing a lot. If you've been caught, you know, if you've been, if you've been in rehab. If you and these are things that human beings do. This man, people have wild lives, and they have a right to. People have a right to do anything they want. But when they're going to purchase, you sometimes as brokers, we have to kind of go. Okay, so look, there's some really groovy buildings lower east. Yes. <laughs> there's a couple places in Soho that are a fit well, for you. Like you know, yeah. whether you've got seven million bucks or not. Yep. Yep. This harkens back to the conversation we had last week about this rental landlord who, you know, forbids oh, pornography yeah. in, in your apartment, in this building, you know, whatever. So, and to Niall's point where, you know, be careful with your lifestyle or how you portray it online because these days with Google and with Facebook and with Instagram, I mean, you know, boards and buildings are looking at this stuff and it could come back to haunt you. And, you know, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s today, you know, very entitled. They're very public about their lives. And they're very public about their lives and they put every little thing out there and to friends of mine, to friends of mine in that age group, I tell them all the time on the side, listen, okay, you may not care today, but you're going to go buy something somewhere down the road. You're going to apply for a job somewhere down the road, yeah. and this is going to come back and hurt you. You know what? Th- anyway, we have to go up. to break, so let's do that. Uh, you're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. I- Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. (laughs) Very. Four is All right, anyway, we're (laughs) – yes, well, three is mine. We're we're back, and uh, we're talking about co-ops and condos and, you know, your presence online and the undressing and scrutiny that you go through when you buy apartments here in New York City. So the advice out there to the young folk especially is if you're planning to move to the city, planning to work here and buy a property to live in and and, and hopefully um, start your life, be smart about what you do uh, today because it might come back to haunt you in the future. Anyway, moving on, when people think of New York, they think of the arts, Broadway, Lincoln Center, the Met, MoMA. All the things that we love here, but the people who create that art increasingly cannot afford to live here any longer given the exorbitant housing and living costs. So, you know, we talk about the artists and all the talented people in this in this town for many shows here, 
where are these people living, you know, currently if they can't live in Manhattan? In Yet the they tunnel? are here. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's hard. Yeah. Well, it's bad. No, you know, it's, it's like bed and like not even further neighborhoods not out, even. out, out. Yeah. Where are they living? They're moving upstate. Yep. I have so many friends. And then there's that too. huge photographers, mm-hmm. very successful musicians. Mm-hmm. They're all leaving. Yeah. They're Almost all leaving for a lot of reasons. But, of course, it's all spurred or begins to become a dialogue about because of finances. Yeah, but you know what? I hate to say this. I'm not trying to plug, but it's going to be a plug for all of us. And that is this is the importance of buying an apartment in New York City or a building or something. Because, you know, the mom and pop shops that we so love that are still in business, they're still in business because they had the foresight to own that whole entire brownstone Mm -hmm. or Whatever, mm-hmm. wherever the bottom floor is commercial for them. Or it's family. So, yeah, it's generally generational, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so artists as well, if you own your apartment, if you buy it now, 10 years from now, you won't get priced out of your own neighborhood, you know? So really, if somebody can afford to purchase now, I say purchase now because like Nikki Field said from Sotheby's, I know you were doing a talk with her and she said, I think she was a guest on here when she said, whenever anybody asks me, when should I buy? I say 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. No, she's very right. True. She's, I remember that. It's and actually, simply she's true. I remember right that quote by her. But yeah. the bottom line mm-hmm. for a lot of folks is that they do not have the money. And I'm yeah. talking about hugely successful people, people right. that were held and were in a culture in New York City. Yeah, and we used to support artists. It was a big part of what New York was. And that's kind of, you know, leaving with a lot of our landscape. And that's the way it is. But they're leaving for a lot of reasons. Well, that's why, as you say, the landscape is changing. Or they own Lower East and there's all this taxes. Things are really changing. Mm. They have small kids. They have to go. People, Mm. A lot of people are getting pushed out. You know, the middle class really left New York City a long time ago. from a, a status, you know, where, you know, there are more middle-class people than not. But but sadly, I was reading an article just the other day in prep for this show that said, I think it was the same statistic, the middle class is kind of gone from the whole of the U.S. Mm-hmm. right now. You have yeah. both sides of the spectrum, very wealthy or very poor, yeah. very little in between. You know, <sighs> I understand that in the urban centers, but I get a little concerned when I read that or hear about that in the rest of the parts of this country in particular. Forget well, about the rest of the world. Hello. Yeah. Well, not only that, well, that's a global issue. Yeah, it's a yeah. global issue. Well, it's a damn United States issue as well. It's our yeah. government. That is, you know, that's we'll a show. hold that for another but show. But I digress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes. diner, diners. Here's my favorite thing. Diners used to be um, the staple in nearly every city neighborhood. The perfect place for New Yorkers to find that morning omelet or that two a.m. burger. Right? Who didn't pass a diner with <laughs> a two a.m. burger right after <laughs> the movies or theater or whatever. But changing times, rising rents, and different tastes have forced many of the eateries to shut their doors after decades of service. At least seven diners in the five boroughs that were more than 30 years old, this is what's so sad, more than 30 years old, have closed their doors just this year. Mm. These include the Market Diner at West 43rd Street and 11th Avenue, I mean, I can't believe that one, which served its last meal last week after 53 years in business to make way for a 13-story mixed-use building. Customers say they're worried about this trend and how it could diminish Mm. the city's eclectic food scene. 
you know, what what's happening? I mean, question for the market diner: Did they own the building? They did not. They did not. So that's yeah. that's why so that I goes got back sold. to mm-hmm. yeah, Most of them don't. But a lo- but the ones that do too are are thinking. You know, look, we've owned this building. We bought it for five hundred grand, and now it's worth you know thirteen million dollars. We've been we've been in this yeah. business forever. Well, that, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe it's time, and that's happening too. That's it's not just. But yeah. that's know, the case. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. That that's a mm-hmm. profitability situation. They've done it for many years. Sell it off, whatever. But but. Those getting shut down because the rents are getting too high. Yeah, I agree. although you know, I have or the to landlords say this. are selling because they want to sell it to a developer to put yep. up a building. Yeah. I think Here there's there's dietary evolution going on too, though. I feel that first and foremost, a lot of these diners opened. I, I mean, I think that there is a little bit of a, in addition to the topics that we've been talking about, there is a little bit of a grower die mm-hmm. scenario too, in the sense of people are eating a lot greener, a lot healthier. I think the palate in New York City has changed too, um, because I know about like, in, I have friends who were here in the 80s and early 90s, and they said, you know, basically the food you got in New York was Italian, French, and New American. And now there's like so many different ethnic varieties. There's so much else going on, so many fusion tastes. And I think people's taste buds have gotten more refined than eating mm-hmm. at diners, right? So I think that there's something to be said well, for you that gotta, as well. you got to love a good diner. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> people are always going to eat pizza and bagels and diner food. And of course, yeah, I grew up in New York and there's yeah. always been everything. Every single yeah. cuisine I ever After wanted After 11 was here. p.m. Every time, everywhere, right? anywhere. There's nothing better. But there was nothing well, like a diner. And yeah. it, we were raised on egg creams and grilled yep, absolutely. cheese. Absolutely. Pancakes. Of course, I eat like a freak, like a science experiment. Did you but used I to go to Horn and Hardits? I'm sorry. Horn and, am I saying it right? Horn and Hardits? Of course you I did. You can automat, eat Stein, Ein, Einex, Steinberg's. There are so many oh great diners and yep. almost all of them are gone. I was yep. raised in them and the ones that I took my son to, it's a New York tradition. Are almost all going. Right. It, it's really. But it's some of the sad. new restaurants are doing a fancy version of diners, which yes, I yes, love. That's the best of both worlds, right? right? And a lot of the diners actually Jacob's have Jacob's Pickles very on the Upper things. West Side, okay? Yes. Best bread pudding in the world. Love that place. The best uh, comfort food on the Upper West Side. That's where we're going. Okay. In January. That's where we're going. Yeah, I we love just it. picked it. There we go. There we go. Nice. Panel, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. But I was going to say, I prefer to eat in a diner. I mean, some people say sometimes I'm going to, an easy Friday or Saturday, Hey, you want to go out and have dinner? Sure. You know, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't want to go to a fancy restaurant. Can yep. you just go to a diner? And they look at you like, what? You make yeah, me think diner. of Seinfeld. Yep. <laughs> I would oh, stumble into a diner yeah. and get this much food any time of the day. Yeah. And, yep. You know, whatever. Yeah. Two o'clock in the morning, as I said earlier. I will say I got a breakfast in the West Village the other morning. And oh, I hadn't breakfast been is to the it. best. I, hadn't been, I know. It's, it's that, the best. I have breakfast for dinner. The Waverly yeah. Diner. If you can go. I do the But yeah, the Waverly Diner. And I got. I love that place. Simple eggs. Seventeen dollars. <laughs> what? Well, I was that. blown away. I'm like, oh my god, the old days are gone. On for the fries dipped in truffle butter. Two syllable word. Gone. <laughs> oh man. But I was still wow. a happy camper, man. And they had gluten free stuff for me. So the diners are really, you know, yeah, they're serving up some yeah. healthy food, or people yeah. won't come. All right, let's get back to the orders for a minute. So real estate prices in the East Village are constantly rising, and they are as they are in the rest of Manhattan. But unlike other parts of the city where gentrification is taking a toll, this downtown neighborhood is authentically uh, still thriving. Historically home to Bohemian artists, musicians, and students, the East Village is particularly attractive to young people, which is made has made it evident by the plethora of coffee shops and bars on every avenue. So the artists are moving out, the young people mm-hmm. moving in. What is it about the East Village that is so appealing to people who are just starting out in our wonderful city? 
it's well, it's cheaper it, for both the rent and sale. It's cheaper than the rest of the city for the most part because now people are moving east of first, so you have all those avenues A, B, C, D, um, <laughs> which and, have really cleaned right, up, by the way. Right, yeah. and they're getting True. there. They don't mind walking, so they can walk to Union Square. They can walk to the trains, Lower East Side, which so is not great like for transportation. <clears throat> quickly, yeah, up on a bike. Right, they will walk, and so those even um, Yorkville. Yeah. Same same concept. Also, yeah, and and in these village, there's still a ton of apartments that'll shock you in the sense of like you know there's I've literally walked into apartments that have a bathtub in the kitchen, mm-hmm. for Isn't instance. Isn't that something? I've lived in two. Just, I've lived in two of those. Oh really? Yep. Uh, to me, it's just the strangest thing in the world. And right. I I walk in and I'm. I can't believe this still exists in our day and age and time of these $22 million apartments, you know? So really there's, there's a, a balance to, you know, that might be the quirky apartment that you live in, but it's affordable. And so you're going it, it, to it's affordable there. and there's a certain um, amount of charm and, and, and history that people just don't want to deal with that. Yeah. And they want to leave it because of what it is. Um, I find the housing stock in East Village really amazing, actually. Yeah, yeah. Really, so do I. But I will say the really prices good. have gone up substantially. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, they're going up everywhere. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, but what I has mean, changed that, though, is all the new development that has happened in the East right. Village yeah. on right. the Lower East Side. That's really driven right. up the prices, which is a good thing for the rest of the, the building types around there. But and also yeah, nightlife. So I mean, I, when oh, I was amazing. single, amazing. I was on the Lower East Side of East Village. Yeah. Point black. Now you get older, you go to Midtown, then you go yeah. upper, and then you go yeah, upper, and then you go party in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. But, you know, I will And what do I say, do? I want to close my door and stay home. Right, like, exactly. By the time you get to my age, it's like, forget it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, the old man over here. Yeah, whatever. Oh, stop. Old it. soul. I'll go with old soul. Old soul. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, still <laughs> home to generations of Hispanic and African-American families, Hamilton Heights is experiencing a shift. Millennials are moving into that neighborhood. What, I mean, you know, now, for the most part, when you mention that part of town here in the city, everybody said, whoa, that's so far uptown. Yep. What What is driving millennials to Hamilton Heights and and The Inwood? express train. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Yeah. I, I did a development I just um, said that eight years ago on 152nd Street, and I couldn't pay people to come. <laughs> they, we You're did right. a model apartment. They were stealing from the model apartment. It was horrible. They were stealing. <laughs> I, I would show up. During showings? Oh, my. <laughs> I would show up, and the TV <laughs> was missing. The couch oh was missing. God. Right? Seriously? And so, yeah, and That's now. hilarious. And now. Like, where's that ashtray? Right. The TV no, was like gone. big things. Oh my. Yeah, yeah. And so now I did two developments <sighs> this past year at 146 and 148 <gasps> and sold out within months. And it's all the D train, Express, Midtown in 15 minutes. And you also had a townhouse yeah. up there recently that sold well, very quickly. 119, 119th Street and First Avenue, we closed at 3585. What? First Avenue and 119th yeah. Street. That's, that's, that's kind of a tough that area. Yeah. And, yeah. We, and we that's sold it in two weeks. Area. Well, guys, I just sold a, yeah. a studio. Granted, it was a larger studio, but so I just sold a studio for $1.2 million on 110th and 5th Avenue. Mm-hmm. So. Uptown, baby. Uptown, Uptown, baby. How much? $1.2 million for, it's a little over 800 square feet, but still, studio. And yep. not park-facing. All right, not so. Yeah, the brokers that were willing to go up there. I know so many that moved yeah. up there to well, nail Harlem. Well, forget the brokers, but how are millennials sure. affording yeah. these? Well, this is not Hamilton Heights. Obviously, it's a little mm-hmm. further south. But how are millennials 
<coughs> excuse me, really affording these prices. I mean, yes, the express train gets them up there quickly, and a lot of artists and a lot of theater people and a lot of actors, you know, live in those neighborhoods mm-hmm. because it's yes, they do. It's cheaper, you know, to live, and then they can commute into the theater district yep. to go to work yep. every day. But um, I, I still find when I read the story that millennials are moving to these areas up there, I'm I'm just kind of I guess it's people wanting to stay on the island of Manhattan versus one of the boroughs, correct. Or or out of the city, and they really just will do what they have to do in whatever yeah. neighborhood. Well, I mean, yeah. it's just proximity and affordability, right? Like it's those two things. And so, if you're close to an ex- express train, like Rachel said, mm-hmm. took the words out of my mouth, of course, yeah. as always. always. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's also pretty those there. It's brave. quite pretty. You know, I mean, Washington Heights is, I think, prettier than Hamilton Heights. Yeah, mm-hmm. so do I. Um, we're on the same page with that, but um, I think that you're not going to see that area gentrify at the same pace as Brooklyn and south of 96 or even south of 125th. So as much as we talk about it, I, I'm there. Like, I'm there yeah. on a weekly, and it, mm-hmm. it's not what the media says it is. Yeah, I agree with uh, that, Rachel. I mean, I, I sold an, an apartment there last year. I think we closed last fall, and I got to tell you something. You know, I just was not... Um, I don't know. I just was not comfortable with the area from a price perspective. I'm thinking if you're yeah. going to, I forgot what the, the apartment was, six or seven hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and I thought, you know, all right, that's affordable, but you know, why do you want to put that in this particular neighborhood when you don't really necessarily know where the gentrification is going? Is it going to stop short? Mm-hmm. Is it going to continue? Is it going to be delayed? Well, I think People artists artists I mean, are actually going. Uh, it was written recently where they're going five stops out of where it's hot train stops, right? So they follow the well, train. That started with Brooklyn, yeah. And they're okay to walk within five minutes of a train, right, right, once they're out. So I would put my money more on along the 7, the L, and the ENF in Queens. And, of course, Brooklyn, but that's still higher. But if I'm going to put my money anywhere over Hamilton Heights, the artists, they're going over to Queens along those train lines, mm. Woodside, Sunnyside, Jackson Heights, Forest Hills. They're going even further out. Um, of course, north of the Bronx. Bronx Jackson is, Heights is, is the Bronx. How long of a commute? How long of a commute is it to Jackson Heights from here? Midtown. Twenty minutes. All right, that's that's very doable. Yep. All right, we're going to go to break, um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, upcoming holiday season and what we need to do by way of tipping our building staff. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America 
at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody. We are back in our last segment, and I'm here with Perul Brombat from Compass, uh, Rachel Altschuler from Douglas Elliman, Ivy Ray, Blue Realty Group, and Niall Lundgren from Compass as well. So as I mentioned just before the break, in case it slipped your mind amidst the frenzy of the Thanksgiving travel and holiday shopping, uh, we're here to remind you of what your doorman and super have probably been thinking and hinting about the past few weeks. You notice how they get especially friendly this time uh, of year? Can I help you with that? Very helpful. <laughs> New York City's holiday tipping season is here. It's upon us. So, you know, a lot of people, especially in our industry, because we sell and rent apartments to uh, our clients and, and whatever, and they always ask, so... Who do I tip? How much do I tip? When do I tip? Or in some cases, should I tip at all? Now, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons and timelines and whatever else. Let's start with, do I have to tip my door staff? Yes. yes. General question. You better hide yes. out if you don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, the building actually usually will provide you for all oh, our listeners thank out God there. now. Yeah, I'm they will provide you a card with every, like, you know, there's three porters, there's four doormen, I got mine et over the weekend. And so you get a whole list of all the staff in the building. You know what then, it is, a good comparison? Yes. Do you go to a party with empty hands? Yes, exactly. Right? You yeah. always yeah. bring a bottle of wine. Yeah. You always bring something yeah. with you. That, yes. That's how I was raised. Absolutely. Same, yeah. same concept. Yeah. But a lot of people feel, though, you mm-hmm. know, and I've heard this through the years, a lot of people feel like, you know, they shouldn't tip the door staff or the building people, building staff, because, well, it's their job and they're there to do what they need to do. So, of course, we disagree with that. Right. Um, so, you know, my next question is how much then do you tip? Because everybody has a different job. You have doormen, you have a super, yeah. you have porters, mm-hmm. you have handymen. You know, in, in, depending on the size of buildings, you have multiples of these people. So how much do you tip each of these staff people? Because that's also I very important. I think it also depends on do you tip them throughout the year generously on helping. So if you don't really do that, then go crazy at the end of the year. But if yeah. you're like – let it let it rain throughout the year. Then it's like you don't have then to you go give so them a crazy. Bottle of wine or Actually, something. make some cookies I don't with tip a little during 50, the year. Check, but right? I you go I go crazy, and it's yeah. I mean a substantial amount. At twenty yeah. pine, there were forty seven people on that list. Wow, wow. this is where it gets crazy. People. No, it well you could to people you never ever saw that work in the yeah. basement of the building and do the garbage. I knew everybody, but they didn't pool the money. No. You had to pay 47 we, people you separately? You sent out cards to every single yeah. person. When I you, lived at the Century, there yes. were 67 people on that holiday oh, card every year. Yeah. 67 people. And I thought yeah. And here's people. the thing. Wow. They didn't pull tips, and they also were very smart. Yeah. They kept rotating people throughout the year. So the front doorman was on the east door, the on mm. the west door. Porters so they get to, to change touch everybody. Oh, at the amazing. end of the year, wow. you knew every staff member in that building. So, of course, you get this... I'll never forget when I first bought my condo there and I got this car and I didn't, wasn't even thinking and I saw 67 names and I almost had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah really. Oh, well, not huge. only that, but oh, that's a commune. It's all there's actually an article that I probably I, more there you now. Know, I haven't looked at it myself, but I've been for I forward it to anybody who asked me what should I be tipping because it's like a tipping guide article. I saw one of those this like, year yeah, too that was good. It's really good. And so yeah. I mean, but it's insane when you look at the numbers, it's kind of like, you know, you're super, you're gonna tip anywhere from like a hundred to five hundred dollars or more. If you live in a fancier building, you know, I mean, and if you start adding up the dollar 
value amounts of what you're tipping per person times 67 yes exactly it's crazy well that's i mean and you know what i really i lived in that building for three years i think and i and i really stressed every year over the, over that stupid card and, and i gotta tell you something and all the people in that building i liked and again you saw them all the time because yeah. they rotated all the time i had my favorite doors there were three different door doors in and out of that building but depending on where i was going in a day or evening i would go out you know three different doors but i always had my favorite one which was like by my elevator bank but still, every couple of weeks, there would be somebody else on that door. So, you know, a, a rule of thumb, super and resident ma- residential managers in some of the buildings, they're called $75 to $175. Wow. Doormen, you know, 25 to 150 Porters, 20 to 30 uh, Garage attendants, if you have one in your building, 25 to 75 So people do ask me all the time, do you tip the super more than you tip the doorman or vice versa? I think it's up to you. I really think it's up to you. And when you live in a building for a long time, Mm -hmm. you get relationships. When I lived at 20 Pine, those guys and women were my family. (laughs) Oh, my God, I loved them. So I I went aside and tipped certain porters Mm -hmm. so much better. I baked cookies. I bought bottles of wine. Mm -hmm. I gave the people. And I was also a broker in the building, Mm -hmm. very quietly a broker. But I took care of those that would give me the referrals. You know, so I think it really – it just it's individual, but I want to say one thing for the listening audience that doesn't have a lot of money and a lot of people don't or a lot of well, people that's what are I tight, to get at. you really have the right to do whatever you need to do. You can't yeah. break the bank and you can write letters yeah. of honesty and you can bake them things. And, you and can, some years because, are different than oh others. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's also it's, yeah. there's so much pressure on people that are 30 or 24 years old mm-hmm. and yeah. they have no money and they get this thing in the mail. Yeah. But it's some, so yeah. unfair. But sometimes the ten or twenty is is fine. It it's is the thought. With a note, and if you can right? stretch it, yeah, just anything is anything. so nice to do for yeah. your yeah. staff. And if, you, but yeah. if you're an owner saying, yeah, but what does this even mean? Uh, the rule of thumb is, you know, if you look at your maintenance, like your monthly fees, usually that split amongst the everybody, um, everybody is about the right number. Is a rule of thumb in New York City. Just FYI. Yeah, I'm just curious it. how how Ivy gives you know pulls doormen aside and gives them the money. I, I just have like a, a weird Visual. picture <laughs> of the <laughs> transaction <laughs> where <laughs> Ivy's yeah. like, "Hey, over here," you know. She's the definitely guy, wearing the red when she Everybody, they're looking yeah. back and forth, like, "Oh, okay," and they're like slowly walking over, and she's like, "Look, yeah. I got He's a meeting with Ivy. Yes. I got a okay. cookie and I got a card with a note <laughs> and maybe some money." <laughs> <laughs> what did she do? I actually took. I, I think it went down just. Oh, we'll go down. It's just so, so, it's so funny. Yeah, I actually took them out for beers. I took them out for coffee. There you I, you know, go. It depends on who I was really tight with. The other people are so funny. Niall. Listen, I, I, I just want to go. I love it. I just want to go back to what Rachel said. I mean, it, it's true. If you tip, if you tip the staff throughout, and this is very important for people who, as Ivy said, don't have a lot of money sometimes. But if you tip them throughout the year, like I have one of my handymen going upstairs to put a. a a hook in my uh, in my bathroom for a towel, and you know I probably will give him five or ten bucks just because he did that for me, you know whatever. But at the end of the year, I wait and usually give them a larger tip at the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, which I will do again in the next week or two. But um, <clears throat> I think it really depends on who they are, it, you know the relationship you you establish with mm-hmm. them. Yeah. I'm in my building twelve years. I have parties regularly, so I'll send down plates of food who's ever on the door at that moment, or I'll send yeah. them a bottle of wine, and, you know whatever. So you live with these people, and they know you you know, intimately well in some cases because they see the comings and goings 
of people in and out of your place, family, friends, whatever. So, you know, it gets it, trickier when you just move into some place. Cause well, I get questions from clients sometimes like new. we just moved in last month. Do we pay the staff or we're selling and we're leaving next month? Do I still have to pay them? Like that's where it gets a little tricky. Well, if you're leaving just before the holidays, yes, you still should pay them that's because the right it's do. the right thing to do. Yep. If you just move in, you're only there a month or less, you know, maybe up a limited you. amount of up to no. you. But I think a plate of cookies. Yeah. No, I know. You know what? I say you advance pay. In other words, it's almost like an advance, right? Like you're right. you're giving them money. You just moved in the building, so you're starting off on the right foot. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's individual. individual. It's it's be kind, be generous. Tis the season. We have to go. That is it for today. Uh, thanks for joining us. You can catch the show Good Morning New York anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. We'll be right back.